Just shouting all afternoon in meetings. Hey, we've started. We started. Uncle, okay. can you tell us? We'll show you our hands, and you tell us something about. What, what can you tell us as an ev psych, evolutionary psychologist? Oh my God! Look how long your index finger is, son. Uh, right. don't. <laughs> Which? <laughs> okay. Oh, it looks like we're all like. Anyway. What what can you tell us about about us and how we're gonna go together as a as as a little group yarning together? Okay, so so friendship is the key to success in life and uh, the success in evolution. So that's the secret of the universe. Yeah. You still, have, men you still have mentioned testosterone, yeah. Oh, we don't need that. <laughs> okay. Well, you're being very polite about it. The comparative length of all our fingers. Yeah. So, uh, well, that was fun anyway. Uh, so, we, we, yeah, well, we better say who we are uh, now that we've just, I felt like we were in prison there for a minute, just going to talk to each other through the glass, putting our hands up against the glass there. It's a little bit right. like that talking on a Zoom, isn't it? So talking, we got uh, we got JMB uh, from the Knowledge Systems Lab, and uh, and of course uh, from AIM, Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience. Well, he's the CEO, and we're like uh, pretty thrilled. Uh, me, Tyson Young Porter, talking to um, Robin Dunbar, um, Robin Dunbar, um, emeritus, uh, emeritus prof lucky thing does that mean you retired and now you only have to do interviews 24 7 about some research you did years ago that's not even your favorite part of your career and that you're probably a little bit embarrassed about it. you're sick of it and wish nobody would talk about it this doesn't you know i have to have something to fill my days you know what am i going to do <laughs> <laughs> no, this look, i just we all have something in common we've all done work in the past which is the like the main thing that we're famous for and it's not the thing that we particularly enjoy or like about our career or think is our best work but everybody just wants to talk about that um yeah so so we've all been there all been there Unc. but um but you're the the you're a lot of people talk about the dunbar number because uh not everyone's got a number num named after them this this is true the very worrying thing about that I, i've been told there are something like 10 or 12 people with numbers named after them and uh all but me are dead so i'm getting oh, wow. a little worried at this point <laughs> well, uh, I think no, that means switching your number hasn't been counted. Boom, boom. Okay. His number hasn't come up. <laughs> well, and um, and 
I mean, uh, from from what I know about you, Robin, you've just been sort of you've grown up from early childhood, just sort of being swept along, you know, uh, on the ripples of a of a dying empire, just kind of you know growing up everywhere. You don't need an imperial nostalgia because you lived it. You know, you've grown yep. up in uh, East East Africa and India, and I think you spent some time in Australia too. And uh, Cal Calgary. Ah, oh, Kalgoorlie. Yep. Uh, All right. The the home of the loneliest pub in the world. Yeah, you'd have seen some stuff there. How old were you in Kalgoorlie? Uh, nearly three years we were there. All right. And we might have stayed longer, but my father, having grown up in India, uh, kind of had the travel bug. So um, he got offered a job in East Africa, and he thought, well, that sounds interesting too. So. Yeah. Off we went. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so here we are. Um, and evolutionary, uh, from evolutionary psychology perspective, we, we do want to ask you some stuff, mostly permissions. Uh, like uh, if it'd be all right if we used your, used your numbers, your numbers work for a bit. We're not interested in just like the, you know, the Dunbar number, whatever that is. Um, we're interested in uh, whether or not we can use this um, as a as a network, uh, as as an algorithm for a, a social network that's not a social network, it's a relational network, and that's the I don't know it's the closest algorithm we can find to how our uh, indigenous kinship and law and governance and trade structures scale um, on this continent through all those you know different uh, nested fractal layers, and yeah. Yeah, we, so we wanted to like uh, run it by you and ask permission if you're happy enough for us to be able to use your number and work with it. Um, and also, I wanted to ask you like just about like um, if about what it's like to have your uh, to have your work like misquoted and misused, and and hopefully get some interesting and fun stories about like some of the worst cases of people misusing it, some funny ones and some scary ones. Because I keep yeah, running well, into a lot of a lot of proto fascists who are, are pretty damn interested in the Dunbar number and game theory, so um, so yeah, I just I'd love to hear okay. any of your war stories around that too. So, so the place to start probably is explaining what the Dunbar number is uh, and what it looks like in everyday life for you, right? So the Dunbar number is the limit on the number of meaning meaningful relationships you can have with other people. And this turns out to be about 150 people, give or take a bit. It varies somewhat according to your personality and all these usual things, your age and what have you. Um, but by and large, it consistently comes out about 150. Now we actually predicted that off the back of an equation relating social group size to brain size in primates, mm. um, and then went looking for the data. <clears throat> And uh, sure enough, it, it turned up. And originally, I looked at it in kind of hunter-gatherer societies because, you know, those are the kind of societies we spent 99% of our evolutionary history, not just as a, a species, um, but our entire lineage going back into the dim and distant uh, past, if you like. Um, and indeed, you know, uh, there's lots of data on that, of course, uh, on the sort of band sizes and clan sizes and community sizes. And it turns out that 
different places give them different names. Uh, some 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 hunter-gatherer societies will refer to them as clans, some as local communities, something like that. They always turn out to be about 150 in size. And they, they look nice. very much like uh, the, a, a kind of extended family. If it's the number you would get as the living generations of all the descendants of a pair of great, great grandparents. And assuming you've got marriages into the neighboring communities rather than just inside your local community. Mm. Um, so that looked quite good. And then since then, you know, we've collated a lot of data on different forms of organization. So that basic kind of unit structure with this family component in, built into it seems to just reoccur everywhere you look. We, we, our military organization is built around it, you know, the, the structure that armies have in particular. It turns up in business organization, it turns up in, uh, in, the, in the sort of uh, post-industrial, post-demographic transition um, uh, uh, populations of the industrial Facebook. world. Facebook, you know, you name it it, it, it reappears all over the place. Now, what's interesting about the Dunbar number is actually it isn't a single number. Um, okay, the 150 number is very important because it defines who you have meaningful relationships with, but it actually is one of a series of layers that come in towards you um, and these layers have very specific numbers. They, they, when you count them cumulatively, so we, each layer includes the layers inside it, they're around about 5, 15, 50, 150. And then they carry on up beyond that, 500, 1500. 1500 is the size of a tribe in hunter-gatherer societies. Basically, it's the people that speak a particular language, because that's how a tribe is defined in anthropology. And it continues beyond that. Uh, out to 5,000, that, that defines the number of people whose faces we recognize because we've seen them before somewhere. So that was worked out by some vision psychologists, not by us, but it fits absolutely perfectly. So beyond 5,000, the world is full of strangers. Um, but really, most of your time and effort and emotional capital is, is spent on the inner layers uh, who essentially are the people that provide you with well the innermost layer of five we always refer to as the shoulders to cry on uh, network because they're the guys who are going to drop everything and come and pick you up when your world falls apart and you need a helping hand in some way whether that's just emotional support or advice or financial help or you know some big project you want to get done and you need some manpower in there to come and give you a hand. But those are those five guys in the center. You, you devote 40% of your total time, social time and effort uh, to, the, to that little group of people because they are the most important to you. And, and mm. usually for most of us, that'll be two close family members. Uh, take your pick who you put in there, but there'll be two close family members, two people we would normally think of as best friends. Um, so not family and kind of one from either side to make up the number mm. All right, except well, except except if you if you've decided to do such a silly thing as fall in love with somebody you sacrifice oh, you just cut your hand off you cut your hand <laughs> off <laughs> well <laughs> that insanity uh, for falling in love with somebody is so expensive on your time and emotional effort that yeah, you yeah. sacrifice 
sacrificed one family member and one friend to make room for this wonderful well, see, person you've just brought into your world well that's that's the uh you, you've done all the the like really good rigorous um exciting and fun and heartwarming and uh research around around love and it's obviously what you're uh you know most interested in talking back because i saw your eyes light up and um <laughs> and uh <laughs> And we're going to continue to annoy you by not letting you talk about that and make you talk about the stuff that you're sick of talking about. I don't feel sorry for you because I have to do it all the time. And so, um, well, I mean, so Jack, Jack uh, Manning Bancroft, he's he's a Bunjalong fellow uh, from the coast, uh, so so that's his people there. Um, and I'm Wick from up on uh, Western Cape York. Um, you know, at the little tippy right. tip yeah, yeah. in Queensland yeah, yeah. there. Um, and uh, also connected in the south uh, previously, ancestrally, and then um, yeah. So we, I don't know, we're drawing on you know a lot of our old stories and a lot of our traditions here, and some of the work we're doing, and um, you know especially stuff around the hand and a lot of that law, and you know uh, scaling scaling up from yeah. that in a bit of an algorithm. Yep. Going yes, you're five. That's your most intimate, most important, perfect group. Yep. And then I guess. I guess I guess what we're about is is love in the end and and but particularly trust because it's yes. it's as you scale up through the numbers how is trust affected and at what proportions and then how much more governance and intrusive governance needs to kick in and you okay. know etc so we're, it's it's about governance and how the hell we're going to uh uh regulate and keep safe like a, an yep. online community and network um yep you know we're we're you well, know. Uh, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head here because these layers although they're created by how much time we invest in the individuals uh in in our social network that that's actually what produces the layers effect what they're built around is trust because the time you invest in somebody um determines the level of trust you have in them so it's what you know about them right you so say if you spend a lot of time uh hanging out with with somebody you get to know the insides of their mind if you like you get to know how they think how they'll react to different kinds of things so that your your level of trust in in you know if they say yeah i'll come and help you out next saturday mm. um you know are they going to let you down or not you know if you know them well you'll know you know, the worst case, you'll know they oh, they never turn up when they say. But yeah. that's sort of a level of understanding of and and you may be prepared to forgive that uh, for 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 a particular person. But you know, it's trust that drives the whole thing. And we okay, so it's very expensive to establish those layers of trust in terms of time because the the huge amounts of time that you're investing. You know, those mm. those people in the that inner core of five. The shoulders to cry on friends are getting something close to 30 minutes a day on average of our time mm. um that's a that's a huge draw whereas the people that kind of at number 145 to 150 are perhaps getting 20 or 25 seconds a day so mm. you know we, we we have to wait a long time to build up enough 25 seconds is to have a go and have a beer with them <laughs> yeah yeah um, uh, but so so the amount of you know you don't really know those people all in in such a detail so what we do is we use kind of cues 
um, of, of belonging. Uh, and essentially these are belonging to communities and, and they hinge around um, kind of seven major dimensions which we call the, the um, uh, pillars of friendship, seven mm. pillars of friendship. And these are uh, sharing the same language or better stuff, it's a big language group, same dialect. Uh, and you know, our dialects are very, very small scale. Um, you can place a native English speaker in, let's say in England, within about 25 miles of where they were born, the moment they opened their mouth. So I know if you come from my town. Right? That's it. And, and immediately, I, you know, we can start talking about those fun days. We might not have done it together because, you know, we were there, to, uh, we have different ages. And, and mm. so we were, we were doing these youthful things at different stages. Uh, but, you know, we remember the same pubs, we, you know, um, um, played football in the same park and all these kind of things. So we've got lots of things in common to talk about. So it's having the same language, it's growing up in the same area. It really is growing up because it's where you are socialized, where you learn to be a member of the community. You learn the kind of mm. stories of, of uh, the, the community and who they did you are. Retain, did you retain your traditional regional accent as you... Uh... I have an indeterminate uh, colonial accent as the right. Australian sister. So it's the same as today. There was an international, like a like diplomats' oh. kids still have it today. Like there's this international school accent that's around it now. Yeah. I wonder if that came yeah. up in the old days too. Yeah. Well, well did you I from mean, the old days, uh, Uncle? I'm not I'm not dating you that way. I don't know. Jack, jump in, save me. I'll put my foot in it with Uncle. Um, well, I was just, just going to share a bit about the context of the the work that I've been working on to help with um with grounding the sort of frame a little bit. So for for twenty years, I've been trying to attack inequity um, through building old, an alternative network. And what I've been interested in is how you build unlikely connections and what is the multiplier effect that you need to get to to build a generative network that starts to move those patterns that you're talking to 5 15 30 150 mm. you know, 500 a thousand yep. so at the moment the thesis of premise of the work is we've inherited these networks from the empire days and they were set up for a very small group of people to run the kings and queens and, and the castle world we've, bit, we've built some tapestries of some pretty average kind of drawbridges in to let everyone else come in, but still it's to pretty much the same sort of networked patterns of universities, of values, of knowledges, of economic systems, et cetera. Mm. Um, what we've been trying to disrupt is how do you build, is building unlikely connections between people who would broadly speaking be inside and outside the margin. So they'd have their established groups of five, which would be that shoulders to cry on, but no bridge in between. So we started to take the, finger the forefinger of each and swap them and then the you know the ring finger of each and swap them and then we started to insuency spider the network so we the first 12 years of the work was focused on indigenous people in australia uh -huh. and i and we we used it out of we worked with university campuses as a base so i was like okay make it cool for university students who wouldn't connect with an indigenous person build that bridge together we had this um powerful impact in in lots of the like six you know transactional measurement scores of, um, you know, closing the educational gap for 25,000 Indigenous kids, biggest volunteer movement of university students in Australian history. And then everybody reverted to their tribes and we didn't change the economy and we didn't change the, the mass cultural values. We changed bits, the behaviours, but everyone sort of reverted. 
And so I was in the last six years, we've busted the network open globally and gone, well, what if we go unlikely connections by five? So what if we have an Aboriginal 15 year old kid who's linked in a, in a relationship with someone in Uganda who's organizing change as a university student with a business leader in New York who wants to change the way finance works with a Japanese teacher who wants to teach with imagination and with a, you know, someone in Berlin who, um, who wants to organize change and work on climate change. And then you instantly spider it. So that's the work we've been doing. And then in the last 18 months, so we've built a university, a TV network, a radio network, all of these things off that formula of unlikely connections by five. And then in the last 18 months, we've been trying to build a, a digital country for the world that will release next year and hoping that it will be an alternative to some of these mainstream social networks we've, we've seen. So to Tyson's point around relations it's a relational network it's focused on knowledge it's um and what we're wrestling with as i was hearing you speak um is is those elements of trust where we're, we're borrowing from our systems and our indigenous systems to think about how we can build a longer story arc that we're we're in a co-created knowledge project so hopefully your trust deepens quicker with that person of five thousand as as the person you know to three because you you know you're actually in a generative process together of a long knowledge project what we're wrestling with is um is measuring the the value and the energy and the movement in that currency and that network between the unlikely connections in that um in that piece sure. but i don't think it's a friendship um yep. it might be over time but this is actually about building a laboratory for humanity to network in different ways to to generate intelligence that's what we mm. think the unlikely connections generate imaginative states and, and generate intelligence and you know there's the MIT media labs example that's thrown around um, or building 20 you know at MIT is this sort of mashup place we, we we've seen this network over 18 years and and that's what we're dangerously or 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 otherwise trying to take mm -hmm. on the, the potential of the internet to change networks quickly um, and to bring us together in unlikely ways and and hopefully um open up a really healthy network place for for mapping some of those relations so mm -hmm. that's kind of where we've got to and we're just trying we're trying to think through what happens at each strata at, mm, each, right. at each layer <clears throat> if, we, if we follow those those dumbbell yep. numbers up you know which which sort of match with our law we know how it works in our law way traditionally but how, right. do you, how does it work here and and okay. what are the things that scale in an economy and, and what what goes wrong how much transparency okay. is lost gained etc as you move between them how much trust needed lost gained how much value how much uh power gets accrued to one person as decision making needs to become more and more centralized the higher you go and someone needs to be accountable and um, how do you, how do you these are the that? things we're struggling with huh? how so do you starting with these beautiful autonomous self-governing groups of five and scaling up to how the hell are we going to do it with like a million people well well, well you, you I, i'm I, i'm glad to say i hear lots of words that uh um uh, are, uh resonate with me beautifully yeah um uh, and the essence of the problem is exactly what you kind of put your finger on it's a problem of scale you know if you have small scale communities they become much better integrated much faster and what's key to those very often, if you look at all these kind of things like uh, the seven pillars of friendship, they're really about shared values and shared stories. Um, you know, what makes us a community? And it's having a kind of culture in common um, that everybody is familiar with and, you know, have familiar folk tales of, of your particular location. Um, or your particular uh, uh, culture in that geographic area. So the problem is 
as the population sizes, God forbid, uh, that we're facing get bigger and bigger every day, uh, more and more people crowded in, what tends to happen? You see this in businesses. This is the big problem faced by these big global um, uh, multinational businesses. They, they end up breaking up into silos that never talk to each other. You know, and this is, this is the point of, in business, this is why big businesses eventually collapse because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, you know, and uh, uh, the left hand starts cheating and the right hand, the right hand thinks they're being honest. <laughs> uh, uh, and the whole thing eventually comes down like a, a, a sort of sandcastle in, in, in chaos. So the, the, I think it's a very serious problem that we all face. I mean, you know, be, be at least happy you guys in in us that it's a small country because you know the bigger it gets the more difficult it becomes to create that sense of you know we are australians you know, <clears throat> sod the rest of the world this is who we are you know? <laughs> <laughs> um and you, you my build kids that. are singing that all the time at the moment it's driving me bloody nuts i tell you <laughs> but it, Yay, it, Australia. <laughs> The problem is, how do you build that up? Well, you either build it up by face-to-face -face contacts, or you build it up by having a kind of shared, um, a shared culture, if you like. And this is why, you know, we do stuff like having flags and, you know, sort of uh, uh, national anthems and all these kind of things. It's kind of and have sort of some semblance of uh, a common history mm. for our particular nation, wherever that happens to be. Um, that, that to create this sense of belonging together, and mm. and we don't do it very well. I mean, that's the real problem. We we don't want country. we don't want to do that. We don't want to rely on jingoism. We don't want Prussian well, technology. Not, no, 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 no. You don't, 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 don't confuse this with jingoism. It's about creating a sense. It's about creating something that looks like the totem pole on the village green that everybody can go and hang their hat on and says, "This is who we are." You know. We, oh, right. we, we oh yeah. Oh, but, but once you're scaling that for millions of people, it's it's a whole uh, it's, other thing. It becomes it becomes it's very, a whole very different difficult. beast. But but what I, I I say in the in the context specifically of the the, the issues you were just talking about, mm. uh, um, about trying to build these networks, it is about people are uh, interacting with each other, right? Mm. Having a bloody beer together. Mm. Or they're still sitting down uh, and eating together. You know, these things actually create this sense of um, friendship and belonging and so on that mm. create these bonds of trust. Now, okay, you can't, you know, you, you can't go and have a beer with uh, 25 million Australians. It doesn't work. Mm. And it doesn't work no. on, Zoom. In, on Zoom. You have to be able to stare into the whites of their eyes, basically. Uh, across across the, the bar room table. Well, look, in, in our, the question, in our... is, question is how do you do that? Well, actually, we do we do, do use it. It's it's it, you know things like singing and dancing and the like uh, and storytelling mm. about which you guys know a great deal, of course. Uh, you know they're the things that allow us to create these supergroups and it, it's it's super communities. Let's mm. say. It, you know, it's that we kind of have to try and, I think anyway, we have to kind of try and mm. figure out a way of how you do that. Yeah. That engages large numbers of people and creates this sense of belonging. Because what you find when you do that is it trumps everything. It trumps mm. race, ethnicity, you know, mm. 
they kind of fade into the background as unimportant if you perceive that you all belong to the same community mm. and you can all sort of hang in mm. at, at on the same uh, uh, pillar in the center of the village green. Look, the, all the ritual and ceremony of, of our ways are, are kind of, yeah. I mean, I think what these they, are for all human do. beings, it doesn't matter where you yeah. come from, if you're joining yeah. those things, yeah. you're, you're doing something and there is an evolutionary yeah. response. So you know that it's yeah. been there for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, these are the mechanisms and there's, you have a chemical response and a spiritual response in that place. And that it, it, it does the thing and creates that coll collectivity. Uh, and that's great, you know, but um, I mean, in our way, it ultimately it's the law, the law of the land that does it. And that's the thing we're trying to figure out how you do. How do you how do we do this for something that's essentially online? You know, so the, the, yeah, yeah. With the law of the land, you know, of course, you know, you know, there's there's that sort of totemic system we have, you know, where, where you are, your your governance and your relations are. Uh, structured on uh, totemic relations that that align with nature and natural systems and symbiosis yep. that occur in those yep. and seasonal activities and uh, you know things that occur in the land or all these sorts of things um, and these scale and these can go across regions you know to the point where you can have a multi-regional ga uh, gathering of 50,000 people that is self-managing you know uh, you know based on these systems of interaction and you know avoidance relations and who can marry who, who can adopt who who's yeah. camping yeah. where that just kind of scales it scales because it's the same pattern you know yep and it does scale practically for us you know continentally from what we call it that sunrise sunset dreaming it can go that far but here's the thing we're, we're figuring out how to do that and um you know, so uh, Jack's thinking about in terms of having these uh, like uh, cultural indicator species, what we're throwing oh. uh, for a different uh, for a different concept. You know, um, but we're thinking about how how would you combine non-human entities into this network to, um, you know, uh, I don't know. To it, could that be a way of patterning that could um, somehow assist with the regulation of and safety as you move between these different scales in the network different tiers I, I, who, who do you mean by non-human so you I, mean, uh, I can think well that could I be a, a substance a tree it could be a wind it could oh, be right. etc okay. but mostly i think we're we're, we're yeah. kicking off with animals particularly like okay. the cute ones like a platypus and that yeah <laughs> no I, I, yeah yeah no that, that i mean because that happens all the time right i mean you know, there's no there's no requirement there's no law that says your 150 people in your social network have to be people and yeah. alive alive people yeah you, know, you can have your ancestors in there uh if you know your granny is uh, passed on and what have you if you feel you know very attached to them you can you can stick in um you know your 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 favorite religious figure uh saints what have you you know you know yeah. you can have them there um, it, you know, uh, you can have your favorite characters in Neighbors, for God's sakes, if you yeah. must, um, you know, in fiction. If, if, but also, you know, uh, most of us, uh, our, our pet dogs and cats and horses or kangaroos or whatever it is that, that you know, is your particular uh, pet animal, um, they will be in there. They're occupying, you know, one little slot. It's do you feel nice. you have a relationship with them? Um, you know, of course, that's your personal relationship. I mean, you see it all the time. If you look at pastoralists, uh, traditional pastoralists in Africa, people like Maasai and so on, 
um, you know, they have their favorite cows and, and they love them mm -hmm. dearly. And that, their favorite cow or bull, whatever it might be, you know, sits in their layers somewhere and is important to them. And, you know, they will defend them and protect them to the death if necessary, uh, in just the same way as you would with, you know, your granny or your child or mm. your best friend, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's the kind of, if you like, the market is wide open. And I think, you know, back again with Jack's uh, kind of endeavors, if you like, here, it's all about, I think anyway, it's all about trying to figure out how to exploit these very old ancient ways of thinking that we all have that kind of link us all together as one community, one, you know, a, you know, a single uh, unified species, um, uh, how to kind of exploit those in ways that are meaningful in the modern mm. world. You know, the world mm. has moved on at the end of the day, um, you know, and it's trying to kind of work out how we can do it, um, you know, and I, I, I have modest um, optimism about the human species because <laughs> very often, particularly at the moment, one may feel very pe pessimistic about the human species. But, you know, I think one of the things we do do uh, and do very well is being creative and inventive, you know, and if we sit down and think about these things, we people can come up with very ingenious ideas. So sometimes mm. they produce a big religion. That's how all big religions mm. start. After all, somebody mm. has a bright idea uh, of, of, you know, how the world works, you know, who God is, all these, whatever, whatever you, you, you like, however you like to phrase it. And, you know, comes, comes back into the community, having thought about it for a long time, uh, and says, you know, this is what we need to do, guys. You know, this is, uh, mm. that, that'll make for a better world. And it's having it, it. It's taking the time to think through how all these processes work, and then kind of putting two and two together from completely different parts of uh, yeah. the, the mental universe, and saying, "Ah, well, that's it. Make four. That's it. That's your combinatorial. That's what yep. I'm excited yep. about. It's uh, you know, um, Jack's always he's gone, but it's these unlikely connections. These are the things. Yes. Yeah, it's the thing you bring them together, well, and and that's what uh, yeah. that's what. That's what makes your creativity happen, your imagination happen there. Yeah. And yeah, but so you're on our unlikely connection today. Very good. Our unlikely Very... connection. And, and you, you've sparked, uh, so I know we've been thinking through, um, you know, what we didn't have was a time dimension in there that was satisfying to us, like uh, from our deep type perspective. And that, that whole last bit that you said, the last five minutes, it's just sparked our thinking uh, around something and towards something. And yeah, one of those things that I thought was fascinating as well, Robin, you're talking. So in the last six years, we've like the way we grew our network was physically. So for, mm. for 18 years, we've been doing this work. Um, so we're now working in 52 countries around the world. And right. one of the really complex things was as we left the, the, the map of Australia, finding the common language. And I was like, well, are, are we just for people of colour or people, you know, what's the word, the, the label or the doorway into the house or are we for marginalised people or... And we did this big festival. We flew a bunch of people out from America who were from all different marginalised backgrounds, African-American crew, lots of different crew. We flew out. We've got a good base in the continent of Africa. So Nigeria, Zimbabwe, uh, Uganda, South Africa, like a good crew came out to Australia. And then we had this um, a big representation of young Indigenous people there as well. We did this festival of mentoring and it became 
a race to who was the most disadvantaged because I stuffed up the framework, which was, I said at that point, aim is the heart of blackness, you know, synonymous with the struggle. I remember the slide, like, and it seared in my brain. And I was like, I, what I did there was I made it black and white and binary. And what I learned after that was that the only thing that I think that we have in common as a species across every single species is imagination and it freezes. Yeah. And when we're in, we're in imagination, we move. And then what we've learned in the last six years has been the only other thing that anchors us. And that's where it brings it straight back to Indigenous systems thinking is nature. And so what we're looking at with this network is, you know, we've, so we've just put imagination front and centre in all of the, all the curriculum, all the ways to bring people together. And then we've found this, like, that unlikely connections actually generates imaginative thought, which sort of brings me back to the numbers again, just to kind of pick, like, just play a little bit with uh, the casting of those numbers. So let's say we've got our five, which are usually our likely nucleus. So say, for example, Facebook, um, it affirms who you know and what you know. That's their sort of claim to fame. So it makes that nucleus smaller and tighter and tighter. What we want to try and do is make number two someone you've never met before and then number three someone that person's never met before and keep stretching the edge of the unlikely connection because we think at about five, if we added two other people in that, you know, we didn't know, it starts to get absurd in the most beautiful way. And you start laughing and you start finding a way to be like, well, we're obviously like just, uh, you know, this is past the 3000 group that you're talking about or the 5000 group, you know, so if you pluck something from, from the, the 1 million into the core group, and then suddenly you start to shift the chemistry of what's possible. The other part, which I think is interesting is if you add a platypus in there to say, okay, well, let's talk about platypus and what that platypus would design for the finance system. And let's, you know, let's give a voice to a platypus or, or think through a platypus. Then potentially for the person 20,000 down, they've, they like platypuses too. And then for someone, you know, who's seven, they like whales and someone, you know, 200,000 down, they like whales. And if we, I think part of our challenges is coming together is nation states as a frame. Um, you know, Do you have to like them? I don't like my totem. There you go. No, you, don't to, you, don't have, you don't have to like it. But I it, want to be something sexy like a hagawar or something like that. Right? The, 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 end, the, end the, the end of the point. Who wants to be a crane? The end of the point was that, um, that, that it, it can replace the beard. So imagination yep. Yep. and the relation with nature can replace having yep. the beard. And, and yep. for a lot of people that don't drink around the world, and like, like we can find a way to, to share that deepness quickly. And that's what we're hoping in the network. We can weave this sort of wavelength up and down between deep time of nature. And as you were talking about the map, I'm like, yeah, you can bring in your ghosts, bring in your own imaginary characters, bring in like, so have it anchored and then be able to play and move and have your 150, have fluidity. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. could be really interesting so yeah that, that's kind of where we've been playing okay well let me just go back to something ty said uh, just uh, a few moments ago uh, which i thought was important it mentioned you know the, this issue of depth of time time depth right mm. you know you have to remember that these layers in our social network extending out beyond you know the 150 to to the larger numbers actually they do reflect time that is precisely what they're kind of they're going back into your history so you know the 1500 layer which in a small scale society is pretty much always synonymous with your tribe you know that is reflecting your descent from you know some ancestor way back you know you may be going back quite a few generations um you know 10 15 generations maybe 
back in time. Uh, but that's what's kind of uniting it. And that kinship, that sense of kinship and family is what creates in many ways the central theme because family is such a strong pull. But it's how you create this sense of belonging and family. And, uh, you know, we, we've actually been advising companies and organizations, you know, that if they want to have a, you know, most of these big companies and big governmental agencies and so on are pretty dysfunctional because of the way they're structured. And it's because they lack it's this common sort of thread of belonging to a family. If you create it as a sort of sense of family uh, on, a, on a sort of notional scale, if you like, then the whole thing works much more efficiently because people are willing to put themselves out for each other and, and they're willing to uh, you know, get stuff done and they do it much more quickly. So, and this, this kind of idea applies much, you know, to, for everywhere from, is what I'm saying, from, from your everyday personal, you know, social and family life, right the way through to how we organize our national and international businesses, organizations, governments, you name it. it it's creating that sense of having some kind of history that, that brings us back. I, 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 hate, I hate to, um, I'll just give you one, one, one um, uh, example of this, although I hesitate to raise it in your esteemed company because it's about Kiwis, right? Go on <laughs> in. <laughs> we'll forgive them for this. Go on and, in. That, that, that is how the All Blacks, uh, the rugby national rugby team, right, um, does their induction, right? They take them, they, the new guys that come into the team, the new, you know, that year, the, before they're allowed on the pitch for that first match that they're going to play, they take them around the boardroom and show them all the previous ancestors in the All Blacks going back to the first team in 1907 or something. This is your family. This is how they're introduced to them. And I think that's part of the secret of how, you know, a tiny little country, five, six million people, whatever it is now, can produce such a, you know, top grade. Okay, they're not doing very well at the moment, bless them. But, you know, for <laughs> a century, they've been dominating rugby. And the rest of us are kind of wondering how, you know, how are they doing it? Well, you know, it's because it creates this sense of belonging. And you know, they say, this is your family. You know, this is, this is you know, who, who you belong to. This is your ancestry. This is your dream time, as it were, you know, and all these kind of things. Um, and it's just a Maori tradition. That's all that, that they're implementing. So there's deep wisdom comes from these mm. ancient ways. Mm. And, you know, we should all be thinking about ways of kind of implementing. And I think that's what you're doing, Jack. You know, you're kind of... Um, Trying to, you know, sort of implement those kind of things uh, uh, to make these bigger pictures. And, you know, one of those currencies that 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 give give we've been talking about a lot, like which are also when we get into the time measurement. So, say we're trying to measure the health of um, the network. The, you know, a lot of these major networks that we've, we've inherited, there's this huge distraction economy which everyone is fighting for eyeball minutes or eyeball hours. So, yeah. Trying to, trying to chase time we don't want people to we want people to spend time in imagination to make earth better we want you to leave your time on the network and go back to planet earth so there's something in like 
the velocity of the time or the strength of the time or the, mm -hmm. in the, in the depth of, you know, when you, when you go and you bring in your ancestors and you, you actually intentionally come in with this long history of what you've thought about and you come in and it's for a knowledge project to pass it on you, the time is, it's almost like elemental because um, you, you know, you're passing it on to someone else who's going to pick up a part of it. I think mm. when time is trying to be individual, you're, it's, it's kind of got a different weight to it. Now, that's the space where we're trying to get into to go, how the heck do we measure that? And we asked Fridge of Capra the same question around energy. You know, how do we, mm. how do we get into that node mm. between the five? And when you talk about the shoulder, the cryon, um, where, you know, this specifically is working on a knowledge project and intelligence is I think that's where we're, where we're zeroing into to go, you know, the prize is intelligence here because what I think is happening and what we've missed out is there's all this intelligence outside the margins that we position as like ancient wisdom. And it's actually really smart systems that can map the all blacks. It can map our financial system. And it's just a <clears throat> longest labs, right? As you've, you've shown with your research, but that prize of intelligence and that intangible tension between time together in those unlikely connections that we think is the prize and then in the way to change the way that we network and, and center that value yeah I, i'm yeah the, i don't think that's that's wrong at all i mean i think that's quite right I, my hedge on it is a lot of these at least this is the conclusion i've come to from all the work that we've we've been doing in this area is a lot of these things are very intuitive um and they're very emotional um, it's very difficult to actually pin them down to specific things. Okay, we can specify, you know, uh, if you want a, a friendship of a particular strength, you have to invest so much time in them. But there are shortcuts to this. And for better or for worse, this is how religions work, right? They create this sense of family. That's why they use the terminology of family. You know, all religions all around the world, the big religions I'm talking about, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the world religions of it. They, they very much use their sense of family. Um, but what's interesting, when we've done work on religions, people who are actively engaged, so they're going regularly to the services of whatever that religion, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's Buddhism or Christianity or, you know, Hinduism or whatever. If they're going regularly uh, to, to services, they actually think they have, so the next layer out, from the five is the 15 layer, and this is known as the sympathy group. So this is all the people who really mean something to you. You know, if, if one of the markers of it is that if they died tomorrow, you would actually be seriously upset about it. You know, you wouldn't say, oh, that's a great pity. You know, you'd be pretty uh, deeply emotionally upset about it. Now, normally that's somewhere between about 12 and 15 for most of us. Right? Um, but people who are actively religious think they have that inner circle there of anything up to about 80. And it's something that happens during the social engagement in the rituals of uh, the religion, whatever they be, singing, some cases dancing, mm. you know, uh, standing up, kneeling down, sitting, you know, these kind of movements and stuff, and doing it in synchrony together that creates this sense of belonging in us. And, and allows us allows them to think that they actually belong to an enormous, bigger than normal family. And I think that's, that's why it. religions have been so successful. But Hollywood, Hollywood does that to us too. No, I know. I oh, cried when Dolph Lundgren died the other day. I cried. I haven't seen him since Rocky IV. 
It's just, I must yeah. break you. Yeah. And I felt awful. Yeah. No, a little no, bit of water yeah. come out of my eyes. I don't know how he made his way into my 150. He doesn't belong there. Get out. Get out. You pretty much, you pretty much asked Tyson any movie. This is the, this is a sidebar to Tyson's systems work. It's just this yeah. deep cinematic like. It's the sidebar is the thing that's preventing me from being in a system. Lost all my Dunbars. All my Dunbars have been co-opted. Come back. Go the to reason, the films. The reason you think that these characters in films or particular actors. Mm. Uh, a part of your sort of basic circle of, uh, of of family, if you like, in a way, is that you see them so often. You mm. know that you know you become kind of emotionally attached to them because they're so familiar to them. Because you know, and that's why you know Hollywood and places like to grab the same mm. actors because they yep. know they have that once they've achieved oh. that sort of level, they have pulling power. Because we go, oh, it's you know, it's old Jimmy again. All... It's the same mechanisms oh, as, as religions, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, and it's pulling, yeah, yeah. it's poking yeah, yeah. the same buttons. And cults, yeah, cults do yeah, this, but disingenuously. Yeah. So they can yeah. they can manipulate you. Like um, I wonder how far a cult yeah. can scale. Pretty, probably pretty high. But the difference is that guy. He's he's making it up. He's making it up, and he know he knows he's lying. And he's quite deliberately putting putting those things together in such combinations as to, um, you know, maximize yeah. pressing those evolutionary buttons and, yeah. and thereby yeah. controlling yeah. you. The difference yeah. between that and a religion is that in a religion, that guy's dead. So That's usually the case, yes. That's usually the case. But, I mean, th th I suppose the bottom line here is there is no such thing as nirvana in this world, right? Uh, all the things that are good about it can always be exploited by people for, for bad. You know, all the things we do, it, it, just have, sitting down, having a chin wag together, as we're doing here, um, uh, getting to know each other and so on, uh, the, the you know, gossiping, in other words, uh, um, is in the proper meaning of, of the sense of that word, uh, is just about bonding. It's part of the mechanisms we use for creating mm. these 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 social bonds within why did you hear about that Dolph Lundgren you hear about that Dolph Lundgren how <laughs> yeah. he died yeah I heard about how he died I think he was having one of them chalky wanks there <laughs> you go you see well the problem is once you've got a mechanism like that in place it's very easy for people to exploit it to start using it that's what we call PR you know that's that's where we went today we were worried about i'm saying no you can't have a reputational economy because that'll just be game that'll encourage the worst behavior from the worst people i'm just going to get in there and bloody and hack the system by gossiping and ruining wealthy people's reputations anyway, that, that was my thing so i would like to hear more about that that was yeah. one of our sticking well, points today well i mean the this goes back to my point is that there's no such thing as nirvana in real life that you know, we, we have what we have and we have to make the best of it. And we just have to be aware that there are scumbags in the world who are going to exploit it. And we just have to guard against it. You know, that's the best we can do. Uh, but, you know, as a species, we are very smart and we're very good at figuring out when people on the whole, and not to say that we always get it right, but we're quite good at figuring out when people are trying to pull the wool over our eyes. Um, enough of the time to, to, to make the system work. So, I, you know, we shouldn't knock these kind of things like reputations and so on in a sense, because kind of charismatic leaders 
are important both in you yeah. know they creates religions they're what creates good storytellers that's right they're what creates good musicians uh they're what create the core to good friendship circles mm. you know and and so um the fact that some 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 people exploit those positions uh yeah. for their own gain uh, um you know is is kind of just one of those unavoidables that we have to guard against and, and, mm. and, and be mindful of but we shouldn't knock the whole building down just because you know a couple of bricks in Do the we, building uh, so uh, so we don't have to worry things. about designing the perfect system we can just put it in the terms and conditions <laughs> professor robin dunbar said look look everything's a little bit shitty I am. Uh, and I accept in these terms and conditions that, you know, it doesn't matter how it is, everything's going to be a bit shitty. And so, uh, yeah, but I, I, not, not Jack's fault, we won't sue him. Yes. The, um, the, un, the only part which I feel in the middle of all that, which is maybe the closest we've got to um, Nirvana in terms of when, when our networks are at our healthiest, is when we're, when we're, when we're chasing some sort of, um, when we're united in some sort of big vision and big quest, which yeah, I think yeah. climate change yeah. very much does or COVID does. And, and, and what, what we're then working on, I think in those pieces are intelligence. And that's what I've seen from our indigenous systems patterns is there's just this really healthy mapping of knowledge projects mm -hmm. over generations. And that's what I like, love about Wikipedia, um, you know, right. and look at some yeah. of the, the patterns where you, and, and academia at its best when it hasn't been, you know, moved in politically or with money around it. But the the pursuit, the concept of a pursuit of knowledge um, for knowledge's sake is surely the role of the mentor. And that is ideally the closest we can get to the ideal role of a citizen. Now, when I look at what our generation's done, it's a distract, we've inherited a significant distraction economy, which is centered on gossip. And it's moved the cult of celebrity so far. And it's created this like just <laughs> rule that people are like, well, of course we've got eight second um, attention spans now. No, yeah. You, yeah. you have eight second attention spans if that's what you get fed. But if you get fed three hour like text, then you'll engage with the three hour text if we make the time for it. But I think that's the, that's where we're trying to reopen up that space a little bit again to just go, it's a knowledge network, sure. intelligent I, network. I, that's I, I agree. I agree 100%. And this is kind of one of the downsides that I think a lot of people have been recognizing in the kind of university level uh, teaching, as it were, that world. So we're talking, okay, about a small proportion of the population, but, you know, that's where new ideas and new knowledge is, if you like, being generated primarily. But one of the disturbing factors that a lot of people have commented on is that students coming in, so I don't know where the problem starts, but it obviously starts earlier, are much less engaged with just being interested in ideas and mm. talking about ideas. And it's, mm. you know, that because you don't, you don't discover new knowledge, you don't mm. discover some new exciting uh, piece of technology um, uh, or, or some new organizational principle by and large, um, uh, by mechanical means. It usually happens serendipitously, and it mm. usually happens because two guys bump into each other over a cup of coffee somewhere mm. in the middle of nowhere um, and suddenly start talking to you. And because sparks. they're coming from different perspectives, X sparks is created, right? Uh, if you think about the atomic theory of chemistry, 
that we have now that underpins the whole of industry and our understanding of how the world worked, if you like. Mm -hmm. It came about because an accountant, I don't have a lot of time for accountants, but this is one of the great triumphs of accountants, Lavoisier, who is running the French king's armaments, where I'm responsible for producing quality gunpowder, kind of looked at the equations the then chemists came up with and said, these equations don't add up. He used his accountant's mathematical mind, if you like, to say, these equations just don't add up. There's something missing in there. And he came to the conclusion, looking, doing lots of experiments, the missing bit was oxygen. And so the discovery of oxygen as an element was born as a result of somebody from outside looking in to the, uh, round the campfire, if you like, and saying, guys, you've been talking too much to each other. It's time you talk to somebody else. That's mad. And it revolutionized our understanding of, of uh, the deep structure of the universe, because that's, you know, uh, the built on physics, ultimately, uh, mm. but also, of course, changed our whole understanding of, of technology, basically, because chemistry underpins all of technical industry, you know, it's, it's the beginning and the end of stuff. So, um, you know, the, the, and, and the history of science, which I could go on for at great length because mm, I just think mm. it's interesting. Well, the history of ideas in general you know, um, uh, is, is full of these kind of examples where, where sort of people have met accidentally or um, uh, uh, somebody's come in from outside with a different mindset, if you like, uh, not got mm. the mindset of the group and um said actually you know that makes me had, think of sorry. x and y it, you know it, it'll change the picture and, mm. and it's not going to happen every time these are kind of serendipitous things but we should you know you won't get that happening if people don't kind of throw ideas about in, in, mm. a, in, a, in a kind of uh, not in a kind of uh, you know a siloed um, uh, kind of way that seems to be going on these days, and everybody getting into mm. their little, little, little um, uh, uh, cells, as it were, on, on online. Um, you've got to just sit down and chew the fat with people, and that's and, it. And stuff will emerge, but with unlikely people. Naturally. It's an accountant yes. looking at chemistry. <laughs> Look, it makes me think of that story about the the truck that gets jammed under the bridge, and. And all the engineers can't figure out how to get it out. And this little girl comes along and says, why don't you let the air out of the tyres? Yes. Now, I always, that story, I find it very inspiring because I always wonder, it's obviously bullshit and it never happened. So I always wonder, like, what unlikely meeting happened between what two people who had some beers together and come up with that story. Like, I yeah. want to know that story that made that story. That will be interesting. Exactly. Hey, Jack, we're just about out of time, bros. What, how, do you want to, how do you want to land this one? How do you want to bring it home? And uh, what, what are we missing from Uncle Ear? We can always do some follow-up emails, but they won't be as exciting as this. Yeah, look, I, I, um, if you were to try and find a, a, a measurement in the node, if we were to, you know, we're looking at our, so the economy in, in this space for us in this network is it's a relational economy. So it's give, give. We've got money outside of it. We're not stealing people's data where it's about knowledge being shared openly and being passed on. And then we're killing the network after 10 years. So it's generative. So we've, that was our solve to try and work against decay and against like corruption and, and to, to make sure there's transparency, that there was no hidden agenda. So what we're really trying to like solve and which we haven't quite found the, the place around yet was what, um, what are we looking at 
in that that value of the node together so if it's time what are some things we should explore to look at because we the closest we got was was basically um similar to to your mapping was let's look at the health of you know 150 in the network let's look at an, your unlikely connection by yep. five but then instead of just saying like there is that's healthy let's bring two 150s together and let's put them in the town tree which is this central yep. space we've built and let's have a dialogue about and the yep. first question we should ask is what have we got wrong in the measurement what are we missing because there might be some things that we assume make you healthy, but actually these people are really healthy and we just haven't measured it yet. So that was first question. Second question is what's going on in the different networks and what can we learn from each other? So that was the closest we got to some sort of process. And that was the thing that came out of the yarn with Capra. Like, you know, do we invest in processes with the network? Is it about saying like, here are a set of behaviors we want to explore and then let it emerge, you know, and, and that's that's the tension for us versus like your predictive control mechanisms of like, well, this is what the economy is worth versus here are a bunch of people coming together for friendship or for intentionality or for intelligence. And and we don't know what's going to happen. And that's that's why we're here. You know, that's actually the value and we may never be able to measure it. So that's we're trying to work out how to wrestle with as the ceremony comes in with the all blacks, you know, you win the game. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Ross, I think the number, the numbers are always averaged over and there's heaps of variation. Yeah. Yeah. And with yeah. the Dunbar thing. So it's like the Roman century never got actually hundred soldiers in it. Yes. No, you exactly. Know, same way, but the whole thing still, the whole army works as like a well oiled machine anyway, somehow. So yeah. how does that work by the way? It's, 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 it's magic. Ty. <laughs> it's magic. Can you tell <laughs> us your magic? This is what we got you. <laughs> No, but uh, in a way, this is part of the problem. And uh, we have this book coming out um, uh, on kind of offering advice to organizations uh, coming out later in the year, uh, maybe the new year. Um, and the thing we keep emphasizing in it, me and my co-authors, and they're business consultants, they advise you know, uh, the, some of the biggest businesses in the world on management structures. And we keep saying to them, look, the problem is, you know, you, you, you've developed a system of trying to improve the efficiency, if you like, with an accountant's eye. You want something you can, you can measure uh, in, in, in a sort of conventional sort of way mm. in terms of output. But actually, the thing that makes the stuff work really well is stuff we can't measure. It's this kind of weird imponderables of the way mm. people relate to each other. Okay, so way down the line, you can measure it in terms of output because we think if you get your kind of social imponderables, as it were, mm. sorted, your organization will do better. I don't care whether it's, you know, the, the, the uh, treasury for the Australian central government <laughs> or, or the treasury for, 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 for the state of Western Australia or your local company uh, finance office or you know some government agency or a school or a hospital or whatever you know you will be able to measure the relevant output number of patients produced the you know amount of good distributed in the population and or, or whatever it is you know there's an obvious way of measuring the outcome but that outcome is way down the line what whereas what companies and organizations under current management practices seem to be doing is saying we've got to measure something now right now 
um, uh, uh, otherwise, you know, so we can put it on a, a, on a, on a chart of some kind, on a PowerPoint presentation. Um, and, and we think that misses the whole point, that actually the way the world works is much more intuitive and, mm. and subtle and, uh, and, and kind of raw that really makes it go round. And if it's trying to get that right, that will, um, you know, you won't be able to measure it in the here and now. Mm. So my, my kind of advice, Jack, is just be a little bit, you know, cautious of just trying to find something you've got to measure now. You've got to be able to be willing to take the risk of kind of mm. going, you know, uh, we'll work our way towards Nirvana. Thank you. But by, by, by improving and don't, don't, it. Don't give me the pressure from people who look like, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't understand. Do you have a plan? What's your plan, boy? Have you thought it through? <laughs> have you even thought it through? I don't think you have. Don't listen to those bastards, Jack. <laughs> You've spent too much time in South Africa. <laughs> or not enough. <laughs> or not well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, yeah. that that that's that's my feeling. That that you know, we, that, we... that feels that feels that feels exactly what I took away from the Armored Company. <sighs> it's about those processes of emergence, like build build the yeah. shape, and mm. and I think for. Like something like imagination, like if if in a 10-year period we scratch the edge of the surface of the dome of imaginative practice and what that means for us, that'll be a contribution. Yeah. But if we can never yeah. touch it, but we know it's worth investing in and yeah. we can never measure it, like mm. but yeah. we we we, yeah. we know its value, mm. then that should yeah. be enough. And it's almost I feel like part of what we're trying to do is reclaim time. Mm. But I feel yes. it's really part of the opportunity. Yes. It's how we're reclaiming time back in nature. How we're reclaiming our imagination. Mm. How we're reclaiming space. How we demonetize time. Yeah, yeah, just having some space and some time. So maybe that's well, it's, where... that's we're putting a, a tree at the center of the town rather than a clock. So that's a start. Yes. The tree, yes. that tree in the center of town is going to be the Reserve Bank, right. yeah, or something. I don't, I don't know what. Anyway, we're trying, we're trying to figure it out, but we don't want to rush. We felt well, rushed today, Robin. Yeah, we felt true. rushed, and and it. Uh, we have. Like yeah. there was an urgency or something, and we we're yeah. like, no, 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 because Capra told us the same thing. He said, like, um, yeah, you can allow allow for emergence, and then you're but, like, you're like a proper empiricist and and respectable person, not a pseudoscientist, and you're telling us too. You're telling us, hey, <laughs> wait, just wait for the emergence. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's well, what I'm I, choosing I, to hear. I tell, I tell tell you one other little story that I think is very important and germane to this, but it's come out of our our book on management is the point we make there it's not our work but somebody else has done it but it's shown very nicely that the the, the organizations the businesses that survive are ones that are small that have a long vision they want to be still here in a hundred years time uh they're not in for the quick buck mm. uh build it up sell it off and let somebody else dismantle it, you know, and then go and live on my Abramovich-sized yacht in the Caribbean, uh, you know, uh, drinking pina coladas or whatever these people do. Uh, it, it's it's organizations, not just businesses, but organizations that have this sense of long-term vision that they're doing some good for the world at large. They have a, a, a social benefit that they're providing and they have this sense of family, that we're all in this together. 
uh, we're all making, whether you're the guy who thinks up the great thoughts uh, uh, for whatever it is you produce or whatever, or the man that mans the door and lets people, you know, in and out or, you know, the reception person behind the reception desk, you're all making your contribution to the community created by that organization. Mm. Uh, and it's those ones, those businesses and organizations that have the, the, these sense uh, of being, you know, uh, these, these, this view, if you like, are the ones that survive. And, and mm. the big, the, a lot of the big companies that are very, very successful, that's how they've done it. If people like the Mars uh, Corporation, you know, very, very big, Mm. But they have a management structure that has this sense it's still a family business. Perfect. You know, um, you know and, and you know, if we lose the sense of family, I think uh, we're done for, basically. You oh, know, this is huge. Robin, I've just been handed a, like, I have to peer review a paper on family business. Uh, family businesses utilizing uh, systems dynamics today. So there we go. I'll be able to do some right. reading after this. Oh God, I've, yeah. I've, I've destroyed somebody's life's work that I, through you now. <laughs> you might have ruined it. I don't know. Do I have to declare a thing now? I, I might have to do something. It's, <laughs> look, um, you know, I, I'm pretty happy about all this. Jack, from what from what Robin just said, I got this feeling. Um, I'm, I got a feeling that I'm monkeyish. I'm monkeyish on monkeyish on MS on on NFTs, and I'm, I'm and I'm feeling turtleish on NF trees, bros. Like. So we don't we don't do bear and bull markets in our economy here. We we got monkey and total right. with, and right. we haven't got that. We're just throwing the idea around today, but uh, okay. so I thought I'd use it for the first time. I'm feeling monkeyish on NFTs, and 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 turtleish on NF trees. I want to go long That's, on NF trees. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I'm just being silly now. Well. Thanks, so, Robert. So, so we wrap well, it up and end it alone. Well, if you if you if you can't laugh, Ty. Um, I'm afraid life has ceased to be meaningful. You know, laughter oh. is the key to uh, a happy life it's a, and a yes. healthy life. Well, ha- very happy, good. Happy wife. One wonderful to be uh, with you guys um, this evening in your time, this morning in my time. But Thank we're you still so much. Thanks. <laughs> that was a great yarn. Loved it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You're very welcome, guys.